few years ago, I uh, read a book. It's not often I read books. Well, this book was called Your God is Too Small. And it captured the struggle that, well, I think many of us have. Because the God that we think about is much smaller than the God in the Bible. So what I want us to do this morning is to look at a piece of scripture. Um, it's from Romans. Romans eleven thirty-three to 36. And what I want us to think about is how great God really is. Because it's really easy to fall into that inadequate view of him. So I'd like to invite whoever's reading, the Bible reading. <laughs> Wonderful, Felicity, if you'd like to come forward. Only one reading this morning, because I want us to focus on it really. Thank you, Felicity. Romans 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory for ever. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I look at a passage in the Bible, there's, there's, uh, there's different ways you can kind of study it. And I, I like to read it several times, and then think about it and see what I can draw from it. I like to make observations first of what I've read. The important thing to do is not to rush it. So the best order for me is observation, interpretation, and then application. Or maybe to say it another way, what do I see? What do I say? And what can I seize? So looking at that passage, what did I see? Here are some observations. The passage begins with the word, oh. Now this is an emotional, and I suppose sometimes explosive expression. You could say it, oh, she's cute. I said that to Rihanna on our first date, actually. <laughs> Red card again. <laughs> or it could be, oh, you're not so cute. It can be said in a few different ways. And those four verses contain 11 references to God. Lord, his, or him. There are two explanation marks. There's two in verse 33. 
Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! Explanation mark. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Explanation mark. And there's one at the end of verse 36. To him be the glory forever! Explanation mark. In verses 34 to 35, there are three question marks. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Question mark. Or who has been his counsellor? Question mark. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Question. Now these three questions are rhetorical in nature with the answer of no one expected. These questions are actually Old Testament quotes from Isaiah 40.13 and Job 41.11. What does the word Amen stand for? You're agreeing, aren't you? So the word Amen is at the end of the passage expressing agreement or approval. And the placement of the passage comes at the end of a long section of orthodoxy in Romans 9 to 11 and serves as a bridge to Romans 12 to 16. These four verses have often been called doxology or an expression of praise to God. So there are things I I drew out of that, like, you know, the observations. So what did it say? Let's take a look. After looking at the passage, in work I must add, <laughs> didn't get much done that day, three simple words jumped out, and this is what I want to focus on this morning. Hopefully these will understand what God is saying through this. Wow, wonder, and worship. So let's start with wow. So let's look more carefully at verse 33 says this again. Can we just put this up, Colin? Is that right? Verse 33. Cool. Oh, the depths, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond the tracing out. Paul seems to be struggling to find the right words to describe the depths of God's riches. And the word depth describes an enormous distance between things. That part speaks of God's profound wisdom. God is so deep that we can only go down a few feet and peer into eternity. I think that one of the most amazing things about God is that he understands everything and he knows everything. Psalm 92 verse 5 says... How great are your works, O Lord. How profound or how deep are your thoughts. Anybody know what the deepest part of the ocean is in the world? How far it goes down? Anybody know? I don't have a guess. Mr. Bennett? No? I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's roughly 
about seven miles deep. 36,000 feet. That's a lot. Psalm 36, verse 6 says, well, it compares God's justice to the great deep. To contemplate the depths of God's riches should lead us to say, wow. Paul knew that he would need some help to understand even a little of this. So in Ephesians, he prays this. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Because God knows everything, and he's totally wise as well. Anybody know who Arthur Pink is? Strange name. Arthur Pink. No? Alison, do you know who Arthur Pink is? No, he's not your next door neighbour, David, it's fine. He is a biblical illustrator. Not relevant to the sermon at all, but anyway. No, Arthur Pink is a biblical illustrator. And he explains the difference between divine knowledge and wisdom in this simple quote. God knew everything from the beginning. And having known them, he arranged them wisely. That's pretty cool. So God understands us from the beginning. And having known that, as arranged as in a way, quite, quite oddly some people, you know, but wisely in his image. We can't understand everything. You know, his judgments are often difficult for us to figure out. Anybody read any of Eugene Patterson's books? No? I must be the only one that reads in this church. It's terrible. Is there any Eugene Patterson books in the library then? No? You don't, don't recognise the author. It's terrible. <sighs> what, what, what? what? What was that, Joan? What, what was that? You, you used to babysit me. That's right, yes. Joan did actually used to babysit me. It's fantastic. Anyway, let's not talk about my, my baby times. Now, you've made me lose track now. This is terrible. So Eugene Patterson says this. God's judgments are way over our heads. God's mind is way over our heads. We will never figure it out. But what we do know is that it's perfect, it's priceless, and it is worthy of all our praise. Job said this in Job 5.9. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. We can know God in some measures, but he's revealed himself. We can know God in some measures because he's revealed himself, 
but we will never fathom everything about God. God's ways are sometimes hard to figure out. Like, we can't understand sometimes why he takes us on certain paths. Like, I can't understand why I, I went to live in Woking when I went to go and work for the army. I can't understand that. But God does. Something happened there that made me realise things. I went into a time of depression. And that made me realise that I need to snap out of it. And do things for the glory of his name. But I can't understand why God would take me through that. Sometimes he has to. Sometimes you have to go through the trials of life to get out on the other side. Have you seen the story about the Google glasses? I'm definitely going to get some. Google have brought out some glasses. Or they are going to. It's a normal pair of glasses. Lenses. But in the right hand corner it's got a little TV screen. So while you're sat at work typing away you can watch Sky Sports News. (laughs) This is true. Wi-Fi built in. Little earphones. So Rianne, wedding present. Fantastic, thank you. That's after the iPad and a new guitar, so. But is this the way we're going? Google has said that they'll be able to see in the future. Hmm. Okay. It'd be interesting, though. God doesn't always leave footprints for us to follow. Sometimes he has to let us loose in order for us to do things sometimes the wrong way. But God will always lead us back. It's important for us to come to the point of realising that we can't figure God out completely. And that he delights to astonish us by the wonder of his ways. Now God may conceal the purpose of his ways, but his ways are not without purpose. So, what's our response to the depth of God? For me, it's wow. Let's move on to wonder. Who has known the mind of the Lord? The obvious obvious answer to this question is no one, apart from himself. We can only know what he's chosen to reveal in the Bible, in his word. Deuteronomy, that that was the right answer before. 29.29 says there are some things we will never know. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. And Isaiah 55 verse 9 really puts us in our place. It says this. It would say this. When you print something out it goes double-sided. It's terrible. Yep. That's cool. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I found a story of an ill-prepared college student who was struggling through his final exam. He happened to be taking the test before Christmas, and in desperation, he scrawled these words across the bottom of his paper. 
Only God knows the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. I wish I'd done that in GCSEs. When he got the paper back, the teacher included this note. God gets a hundred, you get a zero. Happy New Year. <laughs> I think that was really cool. I think it was fantastic. Another question. Who has been God's counsellor? No one. Again. The word counsellor refers to the one who gives information about a situation or recommends a course of action. Have you ever thought that if you were God, you would do things differently? Alison's nodding. You would have got through your course a lot quicker, wouldn't you, Alison? <laughs> but sometimes you can't understand these things, Alison, can you? But look where you are now. Perfect example for me. We need to pause sometimes and ponder. Because many of us presume to offer God a counsel service. We tell God what to do. Is that right? Alison's nodding again. It's all about Alison this morning. I've done it myself. I tell God what to do, but it never seems to happen. Although, certain things have happened when they're needed. For example, a few years ago, I was in, well, yeah, I was in a financial mess. And a friend popped round. And he said, God's revealed to me something. I was like, oh no, oh no. What's happened now? He says, I think I need to help you out. I said, right, okay. And my mum and myself were struggling with rent. And the amount was £312.89p that we needed to pay. And in my bank was probably 12p. And this, this guy came round, I hadn't seen him for a while, and he gave me an envelope. Thanks very much for the envelope. And opened it. And there was a cheque for exactly that amount. And that's just one of the moments where I go, wow. Little things like that that cause you to say, God, you are good. And you know everything about me. So what gifts of ours would ever put God in a position where he had to repay us. There is nothing that we could give to God that he doesn't already own or have in abundance. I love what David said in response to the money he gave to God in 1 Chronicles. 29.14 says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your hand. So let's look at worship. After describing all of this, it's as if Paul can't help but praise God in everything that he does. It summarises it all by saying this. 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. So who be the glory forever. Amen. God is the source of everything. Everything flows from God and through him. I love reading A.W. Tozer sometimes. He said this, An elementary but correct way to think of God is the one who contains all, who gives all that is given, but who himself can receive nothing that he has not given. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. God's the sustainer of everything. He keeps everything in balance and through him. He is totally involved in everything and nothing falls outside of his plans and purposes. Proverbs 16 verse 4 says, The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Therefore, let's praise him for his power over all things, over problems and all people. Everything is either caused by God or allowed by God. There is no third category. So God is the supreme purpose for all things. Nothing is excluded. And to him are all things. God is the goal of everything. He's not only Alpha, but he's Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. Hebrews 12 says this, I love this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. So what can I grab out of that scripture? So when you're faced with a decision, anything, it could be, should I put sugar in my tea? Should I go to Jenny's for Sunday lunch? Everyone's invited this afternoon, so no. The question you should be asking yourselves is, can I do this for the glory of God? Can I do this for the glory of God? Every prayer we pray, every thought we think, every action we take, every attitude we express, every word that we say, should have this statement stamped on it. To him be the glory forever. Keeping the greatness of God central in our lives should be the most single desire of every Christian. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Are you satisfied in God today? Two, the greater our view of God the greater strength we'll have to face the trials of life. So in your heart, how big is God? Is he that small or is he that big? 
or even bigger if you've got Brian's hands. Do we trust God? Do we trust his mercy? Do we trust his majesty? That verse is a, it's a song of praise. It's actually entitled in this youth Bible, Praise to God. Question. Who made you? Brian, who made you? Fantastic. What else, got, what else did God make? Everything. You've read my sermon. Why did God make everything? Love and for his own glory. So our position in Christ shall lead to praise which expresses itself in proper practice. The study of theology must always lead to explosive praise of doxology, where we say, wow. That should then lead us to wonder, which, which should, more importantly, lead us to a lifestyle of worship. If we want to figure out how best to respond to God, how to put our praise into practice. Let's start as we mean to go on. Let's wake up every morning and give God the glory that we're alive in him. Verse 36 from that passage says, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word this morning. Amen.